Hello, hello. This is the Aesthetic Vibes podcast and I am your host, Amy. This podcast is based around relevant and completely irrelevant topics. Sometimes the deep and meaningful and other times pretty meaningless topics. There are way too many negative vibes in the universe. So let's hang out together and spread aesthetic vibes. Come hang out with me. Welcome to today's episode. Today I'm going to talk about imposter syndrome and the linkages to self-confidence. Following this, I'm going to outline some things that I really don't like doing as an adult. Okay, let's do this. Let's start with imposter syndrome. So this is doubting your abilities and feeling somewhat like a fraud. Imposter syndrome really impacts a lot of high achieving people, with people often doubting if they are in fact deserving of the praise that they're receiving. Imposter syndrome is the experience of feeling like you're a fraud and you're going to get found out and then everyone's going to think you're a fraud. People with imposter syndrome often think, you know, I got here and it was luck or I got here and somebody helped me get here. So a mini history lesson. Imposter syndrome was first identified back in the 1970s by two psychologists, Pauline Rose and Susanna Imms. When it was identified back in the 1970s. Initially, these psychologists thought that imposter syndrome only applied to high-achieving women. However, developments since the 1970s in fact show that this concept um, can be widely experienced by many. Let's take a look at some of the characteristics of imposter syndrome. The first is an inability to assess one's own competence and the link to their skills. It's talking down or negatively on one's performance. It's claiming that success is due to an external factor, something that wasn't internal. It's continuously needing to overachieve. It's the fear that you might not live up to expectations. It's having an excessive amount of self-doubt. And it's setting continuously challenging goals with the possibility of achieving some, but if you don't achieve them all, you might look at yourself and say, I'm a failure. Look at how poorly I did with these goals. Okay, pop quiz. How many of those did you tick off? <laughs> I went for all seven. <laughs> so 100% on the, on the pop quiz. So what, does, so what does someone with imposter syndrome do? You'll often find you're over-preparing or overworking yourself to try to overcome these feelings and in the hopes that no one's going to find out that you are in fact a fraud. 
There's a real fear here that if you see success from your over-preparation or your overwork, you then associate needing to do this continuously to achieve that success. This puts you in an insanely vicious hamster wheel where you're consistently doing this repeatedly. In addition, the more you succeed, the more you believe you're a fraud and it's only a matter of time before you're found out. The scary part of imposter syndrome is that maybe at some point in your life or career, you might have received some not so great feedback, but you've taken it on board and you can't let go of it. Maybe someone 10 years ago, early on in your career said, you know what, you're not a good um, public speaker, are you? So you might carry that forever. Even though your performance may have improved, this comment can embed itself in core beliefs about yourself. Imposter syndrome is said to impact between 70 and 80% of people in their lives. But how do we identify imposter syndrome? So we might need to look at some of our thoughts. Some of the questions we might ask ourselves is, how well do you deal with mistakes or flaws in your life? I have a a terrible tendency to actually see flaws in everything I do. So great example, I can be presenting a PowerPoint presentation to senior leaders and I will spend hours and hours formatting it and making it look completely perfect in my view, even down to things like, you know, the millimeters between the boxes need to be consistent. Um, you know, I'll look at the grid lines, like just crazy amounts of um, attention to detail. Another question you might ask yourself is, how do you see the successes you have achieved? Do you see these as luck? Or maybe do you see these as the only reason that you succeeded was due to something or someone else? And I do this often. I attribute my success to, oh, I was lucky with that. Or such and such mentored me and that's how I got there. Another question you might ask yourself is how well do you take criticism on board? So I actually hate the term constructive criticism. I much prefer to actually refer to it as receiving constructive feedback. But how do you react to this feedback? Is it the end of the world? And for me, often yes. After spending copious amount of time working on something, if someone was to say to me, you know, back on that presentation, hey, Amy, I didn't like, you know, X, Y, Z with your presentation. I'd be like, oh, my God, all that time that I spent and I still didn't get it right. What is wrong with me? Another question that you might ask is, are we worried? It's only a matter of time before we found out that we're a fraud. How much do we downplay our skills and expertise? And I can't tell you the number of times I've done this. I have a tendency to say... (laughs) I'm a doctor, but not a real one. Continuously downplaying my skills and expertise. People with imposter syndrome often find themselves working harder to ensure that others don't see their failures or shortcomings. They also like to show others that they're worthy of the opportunities that they have. We often think, let's keep going because this isn't 100% perfect. And I lived so long with this idea of perfection and everything needed to be absolutely perfect. In my strive for 
perfection. I would never leave the house without having a full face of makeup. Even if I was going to get groceries, I would hate the thought of someone seeing me not made up or not looking perfect or what I deemed was perfect. Burnout also becomes an issue for those suffering imposter syndrome. And this is because we're constantly trying to achieve, achieve, achieve. And we might have these feelings of worthlessness if we don't achieve. According to Dr. Valerie Young, there are five main types of imposters. She spoke about these in her 2011 book titled The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women why capable people suffer from the imposter syndrome and how to thrive in spite of it. That is the longest title for a book I think I've ever seen. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Let's start with the perfectionist. So this is primarily focusing on how you do things, often to the point where you demand perfection of yourself in every aspect of life. But Perfection isn't a realistic goal and you often find that you can't meet these standards and instead of acknowledging the hard work that you've put into completing something, you might criticize yourself for the small mistakes and often feel ashamed and calling yourself a failure. You might often try avoiding new things because you might think, well, I'm not going to be able to do that absolutely perfectly. The next type is the natural genius. So this is uh, someone who has spent their life picking up new skills with very little effort and believing that you should understand new material and processes immediately. It's the idea that if something doesn't come easily to you or you fail to succeed on your first try, you might feel ashamed or embarrassed. The next is the rugged individualist or soloist. This is believing that you should be able to handle everything independently. If you can't achieve success independently, you should consider yourself unworthy. This type of individual sees asking someone for help or accepting support when it's offered, meaning failing to meet their own high standards. It also means admitting inadequacies and showing yourself as a failure. The next is the expert. So for this person, before you can consider your work a success, you need to learn everything there is to know on the topic. You might spend copious amounts of time pursuing information, and you end up having to devote more time to whatever it is that you're doing. Since you believe you should have all the answers, you might consider yourself a fraud or a failure if you can't answer a question on the topic. The next is the superhero. So this is linking competence to an ability to succeed in every role you hold, whether this is uh, being a student, being a friend, an employee, a parent, and so on. Failing to successfully navigate the demands of any of these roles proves in your personal opinion that you are inadequate. This person might push themselves to the limit, expecting 100% energy in every role and not being able to achieve this maximum effort might lead to imposter feelings. And you might think, oh God, I should be able to do more than this. Or why is this so difficult? There are reasons for imposter syndrome. So where does it come from? Some researchers say it can come from your family dynamics, new work commitments, 
or maybe stemming from schooling expectations, or sometimes it's unfortunately just a a personality trait. There might have been pressure on you to do well at a young age. You might have been compared to other people or you're comparing yourself to other people. Or maybe you've been criticised for prior mistakes. So considering personality traits, it's worth noting that imposter syndrome can impact those who have perfectionism tendencies. Uh, Low self-confidence is another one. Over time, this ongoing pressure can result in anxiety, depression and guilt. For the individual with imposter syndrome, they often have self-doubt and they feel their sense of worthiness isn't aligned to how they feel about themselves versus how others see them. They think they have fooled others. Okay, so you're feeling like a fraud. What do you do? Firstly, working harder to not feel like a fraud isn't the right answer to that question. Some practical ways to deal with imposter syndrome include firstly recognizing the feelings you're having. These are okay feelings. Sometimes it's nice to share these feelings with someone close to you in your life. You might want to look at how do I challenge these thoughts And what I mean by this is when you're having these symptoms or thoughts pushing their way into your life, stopping, diving into the thought and questioning, is this a valid thought? What's the merit to this thinking? Then considering what you have around you, evidence-wise, that might contradict these thoughts. And truthfully, you would need to be a darn good imposter to fill everyone in every aspect of your life. You can also stop that self-comparison. We are all unique and different. We should never compare ourselves to anyone else because we have different career paths, goals and journey. We also hold different skills, capabilities, experience and education. So you can't compare yourself against somebody because it's not an accurate or fair comparison. So it all comes back to the linkage to self-confidence. To build self-confidence, we need to do the following. We need to believe in our abilities. We've gotten this far. Let's be fair. It can't all be dumb luck, right? And we need to believe we have the skills and capabilities and we need to believe in our own abilities. Because if we don't believe in ourselves, who on earth will believe in us? We need to take control of our thoughts. We are the master of our own minds. We need to change our train of thinking. And our thoughts need to be respectful of ourselves. So that is shutting down that negative self-talk. I also want to mention that I'm a firm believer in the energy we put into the universe. So what I mean by this is whatever energy we put out there is the energy we receive back. So if we're putting out self-negative vibes, there's a high probability that the universe will respond to that and return that energy. So we need to make sure that our thoughts and vibrations are high. Another part of self-confidence is rooted in the idea that we believe in our own skills and abilities. So this is accepting and trusting in our own abilities and skills, understanding that yes, we, we have strengths and weaknesses, but 
we have a good understanding of both. I was chatting with a student the other day about the importance of being self-aware, really truly understanding who we are in the world around us. It's about understanding your strengths and playing to those strengths. It's about understanding your weaknesses and mitigating for your weaknesses. I had the displeasure of spending way too much time with an individual who was very detached from reality and did not have one ounce of self-awareness. Living completely with a blindfold on. It's really a scary thought that people can be so detached from reality. So having the proper awareness to understand who we are and how we're working on ourselves is key. Another part of this is setting realistic expectations and goals for ourselves, realizing what is and isn't achievable, along with being okay if things don't go 100% to plan. It's time for us to step away from imposter syndrome and build that self-confidence that we all do have within ourselves. So we gain confidence in many ways. So through the self-awareness, as I've discussed, valuing who we are as people, building a positive network of friends and family around us, actually physically being kind to ourselves, learning to build boundaries, saying no. We've talked about this one. Saying no. I've started doing this a lot. It's wonderful. Say no where we create and execute positive habits in our lives and really looking at prior successes and realizing we are in fact capable. Okay, we've had a good chat. (laughs) Those with imposter syndrome, step away, start building that self-confidence through the elements I've discussed. We are no longer going to be victim to imposter syndrome. Okay, guys, It's time to go do it. Go do it. Believe in yourself and build that self-confidence. As with every episode, we close with a lighter segment. Today, I'm going to give you my quick list of adult things I hate doing. There are many. So I'm going to narrow it down to five. Starting out strong. Taxes. (laughs) Okay. Crazy thought. How about the government only takes what's appropriate and leaves the rest with me? I really don't appreciate collecting all of my pay-as-you-go summaries, getting my stock earnings, my private health documentation, working out my expenses and every other little tiny thing that they want to know once a year. I then need to book an appointment to sit in an accountant's office where I pay them $100 to click some random buttons and then tell me, oh, you've got a refund. How about we just get it right at the time I'm being paid and then I don't need to go away and do this tax return rubbish. I'll save myself a lot of time with boring activities Um, because Australian government, this back and forth is a waste of time. You are enforcing poor productivity on the Australian community. Let's nip that in the butt now. Second item on my list, I don't like cleaning at all. No discussion needed. 
This is a straightforward one. If my house could keep itself clean, I would appreciate that. Thank you. I don't like making appointments of any kind. And I hate going to appointments. I just don't want to go places. Kind of linked to this is I actually hate waiting. I don't want to go to the doctors because I hate waiting. I hate waiting to pick up my scripts at the pharmacy. I hate waiting in line to pay my groceries. I hate waiting for a coffee to be made for me. I just hate waiting. A lot of the time, as an adult, we do a lot of waiting. Why? I don't even like sitting waiting for my hair to be done at a hairdresser's. I can't even explain how frustrating it is waiting in front of a mirror for my hair to process or dry or be cut. I absolutely hate waiting. I also really hate buying groceries. It feels like you go and get groceries one day and then the next your fridge is empty. So then you got to go back to the shops and get more groceries. You write a list and then you head off to get more resources. I think food should be permanent. You buy it once and then it's just there permanently. There is nothing shitter than writing your list, going to the supermarket, picking your groceries, waiting in the lineup, checking them out, then loading them into your car and then dragging them into your house. Let's just buy it once and then that's it. It just permanently respawns itself. Or better yet, you buy it once and you tick buy always and then automatically a little truck shows up with your food inside. Oh, great. Could you imagine? That'd be wonderful. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's topic where I picked apart the concept of imposter syndrome and the links to self-confidence, along with my lighter segment where I dipped my toe into the never-ending pool of annoying things you need to do as an adult. Join me next episode where I discuss setting the bar for your life. In the meantime, let's hang out on social media. Hit me up at Aesthetic Vibes Pod. Or drop me an email at aestheticsvibepodcast at outlook.com. Or you can visit my brand new website, aestheticvibespodcast.com. I've also really taken to TikTok. So drop by and watch all the dumb TikToks that I force my dog, my husband, and my cat to star in. It's been really fun. Um, I use my personal account, which is my name. So feel free to search for my name and you will find my stupid account with all of the stupid videos that I've been creating. Until next time, bye.